things of the Spirit forward. We want to receive everything by your precious Holy Spirit that you have to offer us today. We will hear your word, we will believe it, and we will do your word. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about his astonishing power, and that his is Jesus, amen. Um, people were astonished by him. He took the world by storm. Uh, he uh, revolutionized the uh, spiritual world, the uh, religious world, if you will, the temple um, uh, uh, conduct, all of those things, uh, totally turned upside down and made right. Uh, there are many people who revolutionize, turn upside down things, but usually if man's hand is on it alone, then there's problems. For instance, people who uh, began the Internet did it so that every human being could have access to it, but they never have full control over it. So now we have people come in and doing control things with the Internet that were never intended uh, for it to happen. So whenever man's uh, hand gets involved in something, there's good and bad. When you look at medicine, it was always thought to be a benevolent field of endeavor. People were, um, were all looked up to as being very sacrificial people, uh, because they worked in the, what they call the helping profession. You know, medicine was always a helping profession. But little by little people got to understand how to do things that harm people. Um, especially you look at abortion, that's something that's always been in the earth, but, uh, they, in, uh, Nazi Germany, they did a lot of human experiments on people that they had jailed and imprisoned, mostly Jewish prisoners that they had. Uh, they did some horrible, uh, experiments on them. Uh, in this country, people who were slaves and ex-slaves, uh, were experimented with in different areas of medical endeavor. So even, even a, a field of, of, um, uh, say a field that is known or set up to help people can be used for bad purposes into the hands of the wrong people. But Jesus always did good. It was always said of him that he did good. <clears throat> Even when he was on trial for breaking the Jewish law. Imagine having somebody, the person who wrote the law and obeyed totally the law, the author of the law, on trial for breaking the law. I mean, who's able to judge him? Amen. And so, well, that's the absurdity of, of the human mind without God. Thank God we can be born again. Amen. And we can get beyond that level of, of depravity that is so consistent with, with iniquity in the carnal mind and the carnal frame. And so, um, when we think about what Jesus did, people were amazed. He was totally different than anybody God ever sent to do his will. He was in a totally different category. And so uh, we can understand then why he his ministry was a threat to the powers that were in authority at that time in the earth. Uh, whether it was religious authority, whether it was secular authority, his ministry was a threat 
uh, to them. The fact that he was able to gain uh, support from so many people was a threat to those that wanted control and mastery over people, wanted influence. Uh, Jesus was was more than an influencer. Amen. He was someone who could demonstrate his words. You know, influencers really don't have to um, demonstrate anything that they say. They can keep people following them around just on a promise. And so you, when you think about it, amen, you, you look at people who say like one of the things that's very popular are uh, what they call life coaches, motivational speakers, yada, 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 yada. Those people don't really produce a product. They tell you, you got to produce it. Think about it. Somebody who tells you, Oh, you know, I'm a personal trainer. I'll meet you in the gym at so-and-so. Well, they come by themselves. They don't bring anything but them. And they put you in front of the equipment and whatever you met them for, you got to produce it. Amen? So that's an influencer. And the world is full of influencers. There's all kind of people out there tell you, you know, if you come over here and do this and do that, you're going to have yada, 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 yada. Well, it's still up to you to produce it. Amen? These people, the world is built on influence. You see people selling diets and, and uh, oh, if you do this, you're going to really, really, really lose weight. Well, you got to stick to the diet. It's not going to happen just because you bought that product and got it in your house. Amen? And so really, influencers put the responsibility on us to produce. God is the only one who will, your only responsibility is to do what? Believe. You don't have to produce. All you got to do is believe. Amen? Which we do that anyway. So believe in him. Instead of in what you believe, it's an invitation to switch the faith you're already using and put it over into an area that's going to benefit you. Amen. And that faith allows God to do all the work on your behalf. And so Jesus was this type of person. He did things. He was more than an influencer. He was somebody who could produce the goods that were needed to make your life better. So in Luke chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 32, but I might have to backtrack a little bit. But we see how Jesus was the first demonstration of his power. We see here, um, let me think. I want to back up a little bit. I might as well go up higher. Start at verse verse. um, Ah, I didn't want to go through. Well, let me start in verse 1. 4 verse 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Amen. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And then when they were ended, he was afterwards hungry. And the devil came to him. And said, if you're the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. Now, we know that Jesus went through several 
different temptations, different areas in which the enemy tested him, was allowed to tempt him. And Jesus was really on trial to see what his response would be. So don't ever think that it's a given what he's going to do. This isn't like he's just going through the motions and you understand what I'm saying? He's going to always come out. He had, he had a, a will to either accept or reject or respond to the enemy. But I like the fact that before he was tempted, he was full of the Holy Ghost. So before any of us is tested by God, we are full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. At least we have enough of the Holy Ghost power to pass the test. That's really what that means. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit with full power and ability to stick to obeying the Father instead of obeying his own flesh. Instead, so his flesh was put to the test as to whether it would stick with God if he was hungry, if his eyes were filled with things that, that would please most people, would he choose that? All of those things he was tested in. And so when, when he came through the test in verse 13, it says, when the devil had ended all the temptation, so there comes a time when the devil must stop bugging you. It doesn't, he's not, he, we are not slated for torment, folks. You know, a lot of times when people have challenges, have tests or trials or something like that, if they don't pass the first time, then they want to quit and give up. I don't know why this don't happen for me. I don't know why. But, but the test goes on until you pass it, but not beyond. So it doesn't go like, uh, you know, you've already done everything you need to do and there's nothing else left to do except stand on what you've done and the enemy keeps poking and prodding at you. That's not allowed. We are not slated for torment. Amen. Unless you put yourself in a position where you're on the other side of things. But as long as you're filled with the power of God and you're resisting the devil, submitting to God, he's got to leave you alone. But once you get beyond the level where that bothers your flesh to to let go of certain things, then you just walk in the power of God from, from that time on until the next test. And then you come in under that trial or that test and God empowers you more. Really, the purpose of the test is to empower you with what God has. Not to see you do without or feel humiliation because the enemy has a hold over your life or is threatening you. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to empower you fully. Amen. And so Jesus goes there with, with a degree of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then after the testing is over, then he, he, uh, is free from the animals, the enemy's temptation. And he goes on to the next thing that God has for him. So the next thing is in verse 14. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So he went up there in the power of the Spirit, and he came down in the power of the Spirit. Amen? And so he was not diminished by the testing. You're never diminished by your faith being tested. 
you know, you may feel like you are in those fits where you feel sorry for yourself and I wonder why it's taking so long and what about this and what about that? How come I can't do what somebody else is doing because they get to do all the fun stuff and I just get to sit here and read my Bible? Y'all with me or you went sleep somewhere? <laughs> Y'all mighty quiet. <laughs> huh? See, it's so you can be fully empowered. See, there are degrees of power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you didn't know that before, you know it now. There are certain things that you can do as born again that you can't do if you start feasting on healing scriptures. You got me? So these are our things. Your faith comes by the word that's stored up on the inside of your spirit. Your power comes by what you put on the inside of you. It doesn't come any other way. Amen. It doesn't come by spectating only. Now spectating might encourage you that these things are possible, but you've got to get into the word for yourself and you've got to go in there with purpose. Yeah, I purpose to come out of this word, this session of reading the word of God with greater knowledge and greater understanding and greater faith to do certain things. So your faith should always be on the hunt for encouragement and for increase. And that's the same thing to Jesus. He's he's setting the pattern for us. He's paving the way. He's showing us how it's done. And this is how it's done. The wilderness represents your life without all the the fun stuff you used to do as a sinner. Your first stop is the wilderness. Wilderness represents you minding your own business, going to bed at a decent hour, getting up worshiping God, reading your Bible, and doing all the things that your your uh, sinner friends tell you is dull and boring and no fun. So you get to be the dull, boring, no fun person while you're seeking the power of God. And once you attain to a certain level of power, you got to have a hunger for more. Because he has a desire to give us more. If Jesus had to go get more, I know we got to go get more. He had to live in a, a flesh body like we do. He had to deal with the devil like we do and crazy people. Church people, if you will, huh? He had to deal, deal with the same things that we have to deal with. And he's showing us here in the Bible exactly how it's done. So he returned in the power. Your power is not diminished because the devil's messing with you. Your power is actually strengthened. If you hold on to what God told you and obey God through the trial, your power is increased. Now you got to take that by faith that that trial wasn't for nothing. You got to believe that anyhow. You know the power of God is is still under God's control. You may not see evidence of of you know making it worth your while going through all that. That's the first thing we we'll want to see. I went through all of that for nothing. I no, you didn't. Because that power is still reserved in you for God to release it at the right time. 
You don't know what he's got in store for you. But he wants us to be equipped, the Bible says, to every good work. This is part of your spirit. Listen, a, a policeman doesn't pull his gun on and shoot everybody that he goes up to. But he's still empowered to do it if necessary. It's the same way with God's power. You don't whip out the anointing and flex it and show it to everybody, like wave it like a gun in front of everybody, show everybody what you got. Huh? You have to be in a position to exercise that power and authority. And it comes out when you're in the right place at the right time. And that's what Jesus is here in verse 14. It says he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and went and there he went out, there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Hmm, wonder why he got famous. Hmm? You're about to find out. And he taught in those synagogues, being glorified of all. Amen. And it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Prophet is not without honor except where. So now that he's in hometown, he's got to prove to everybody he ain't homeboy no more. Y'all with me? See, this is where the, the, at the, at the Christmas dinner or the Thanksgiving dinner, This is where God may call you to pray for somebody and they get instantly healed. If it hasn't happened, I pray it happens to you in Jesus' name. See, because at hometown, behind your back, your loving family members are saying stuff like, you know, she had that nervous breakdown ever since then. She's been in that Bible all the time. Guilty as charged. Or she thinks she's special because she, you know, she got a church and they ain't got that many peepers. They ain't nothing but a cult over there. Guilty as charged. Huh? So then every now and then God will bring somebody in there who's not feeling well and you ask him, you know, well, I can pray for you. Now, I've had people come in in my house and ask me for Tylenol. That's my cue to pray. Because I don't keep them around. And if I do, I wouldn't tell them. Oh, baby, I don't have no Tylenol, but I'll pray for you. Oh, okay. So every now and then, you can't be home, girl. You can't be the crazy aunt. You understand what's it? You can't be the, you know, they, you know, she call herself a minister. Is she a woman? Guilty as charged. Huh? So there comes a time where God's power has to be demonstrated to you through those who don't think you're worthy. Usually in your own family, your own hometown, that kind of stuff. Amen. Seldom do you, a lot of times, you know, some ministers have tons of relatives in the same city, but they don't come to their church. You ever wonder why? And some of them have really 
top-notch ministries, they have what those people need. But they won't submit to you because of familiarity. See? So sometimes you got to go back where you came from and break the pattern of familiarity that people have with you. Huh? And you need power to do it. You can't go in there just talking. If you just gonna talk, just keep your mouth shut. Amen? And wait for an, just, but just wait for an unction to do what God wants you to do. So Jesus has been empowered and he has already been, been preaching. And it says he taught in their synagogues. Amen? In Galilee. Then he comes home to Nazareth. And it says, verse 16, when he came there where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, now he'd been going to this synagogue all his life. Amen? He's going because he's in the habit of going to church, which is a good habit. He didn't break the traditions. It says his custom was to go and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened a book, he found the place wherein it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You can heal people to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. Oh my goodness. To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable or jubilee year of the Lord. Amen. And he closed the book. And gave it to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. (laughs) And then he said to them, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Nobody had ever said anything like that before. And it says, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words. Now they liked what they heard. Amen. It was a good news to them, consistent with what the gospel is. But then they said, is this Joseph's son? Homeboy. So they're pegging him. They're look confused. Because they think if you grew up in this town, you can't amount to much unless you go through the system. So Jesus did not go through the system. He went through his father. And he says to them, he says, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do that here also in your country. And he said, truly, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when the great famine was throughout all the land. But 
to none of them was Elijah sent save to Sarepta, Syria, a city in Sidon, to a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with See, the truth tends to anger people who are not expecting truth. They want you to come at them like the way you've always been. Now he's coming at them under the anointing, and they don't want to hear. They're pricked in their hearts. Well, the first thing that happens when when somebody comes in in the Holy Spirit's power is if you're not on the right side of the road, you get convicted to get over on the right side of the road. So that's going to happen. Truth will always expose those who live in lies and those who like lies. And so there they are. They're all angry because he tells them, number one, God will pass you by if you don't comply. He says there were all kind of lepers back in the day and God passed over them and went to a Syrian to cleanse him. Same thing with the widow who was taken care of. So he's telling them, if you don't want to believe me, God will pass over you. Amen. And give this to somebody else. And they were, when they heard these things, they were filled with anger and rose up and threw him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon the city was built that they might throw, they were ready to kill him. First day ministering. You get something real from God and see if you're welcomed everywhere. And see if they roll out the red carpet for you. Amen. You're going to have to compromise somewhere if you're intending to get get people, you know, be a people pleaser. You're going to have to bend the rules somewhere for somebody if you're going to please people in your ministry. He says, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. So it wasn't his time yet. But then he came down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine because his word was with power. So they are astonished just at the way he speaks. See, sometimes we don't realize, you know, you can get so comfortable with God, you know, like he's your friend, you have friendship with God. Sometimes we can get so comfortable in our relationship and I'm not in the, not talking about anything negative or taking advantage. When I say comfortable, I don't mean slothful, lazy, or, or, uh, uh, you know, familiar in that sense, but I'm talking about walking with God and making him your friend and companion throughout your daily routine, throughout your daily walk with him. And so when you live in that place with God, you have this ability just to release from your mouth and from your thoughts, the thoughts of God. You got me? You get, I guess when I say familiar, comfortable, you more yielded to the Holy Spirit. You're not watchful. 
whether or not you're yielded to him. It's just kind of like a part of you. After a while, it's a part of you to obey God, to, to yield to the Holy Spirit, to let him flow through you. And so many times you, you'll have that comfort with your, your relationship with God and you'll just begin to speak to people the truth that's in your heart. And you don't realize how much power is on your words. You got me? You have, you don't realize it. And then little by little you see people shying away from you. Or saying, making comments to, well I don't, I, I know the word, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to you. You ever hear people want to bypass your spirit man and talk to you flesh? Well, you don't have, I don't have no hollow for you in the flesh. I'm trying to stay saved. You understand what I'm saying? And be useful to God. I gave that up when I got born again. And so many times, see, see what people often do is they're, they split themselves off. They're too cautious about being God's ambassador. When you wake up every day, you got to sign up. You got to punch in ambassador for Christ and put your time clock in there. I mean, card in there and punch it and say, God, I'm open for business. I'm ready to do what you want me to do and not worry about people that might get offended by what you say. Or if, if you don't tell the truth, who down here is going to do it? Nobody's going to do your job for you. Nobody runs into the people you run into. Nobody has the opportunities you have, the open doors you have. You're going to have to give an account. If you use idle words, if you use words that, that you want to, that'll butter people up or, you know, like people say, well, I didn't really mean to offend nobody. I got to use more tact. You ever see, do you see a fruit of the spirit called tact in the Bible? There's no such fruit. So unless it's coming from the Holy Spirit of the living God, you not, there's no use for it in your life. You understand what I'm saying? So, so we need to, to understand that our life, number one, is not ours. You don't belong to you anymore. You don't get to do what's comfortable for you. You don't get to do what's expected. You don't get to go along with the, the crowd, you know, the whatever, you know, the, the status quo, people in authority, the people you want to keep close to you. You know, I realize sometimes people feel uh, abandoned and when things change and, and people change and all that, you might feel alone and abandoned by yourself. That's just a feeling, baby. You understand what I'm saying? So my mother used to tell us, honey, that's just a feeling. You understand what I'm saying? You get over it. Amen. And learn how to, to look at that as a blessing. God, you left me by myself for a reason. And that reason is not to crave being someplace else, but to savor what you have. Just talk to God about it. Find out, God, I'm feeling a little lonely here. I'm Everybody left me, you know. Sometimes you are in transition phases of your life. You know, if you're, you're, uh, uh, you, you have adult children now, they're not underfoot all the time like they used to be. That can be a real shock to some people. But if you've been prepared by God, it can be a welcome change. 
<laughs> you can welcome that new season. I mean, it, you can feel good about things you thought you'd feel bad about. I see nobody here has ever been dumped, left, rejected. <laughs> Y'all all accepted in the beloved and beyond. I'm just beyond myself with being accepted. Right. <laughs> so anyway, Jesus came down to Capernaum in the city of Galilee, where he had been before, and taught them on the Sabbath days. They were astonished at his doctrine, because his word was with power. Amen. And in the synagogue, there was a man that had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. Now, there's no text here that said Jesus bothered him. Just his presence disturbed him. you got to understand that about the power of the Holy Spirit. Your presence will disturb people. And see, they'll tell you a flimsy excuse and you get offended by it. Oh, well, y'all don't even, what are y'all robots today? You don't even live in, y'all don't even live in a flesh body. Huh? I guarantee you at the bottom of every rejection you ever get as a Christian, the Holy Ghost is working on somebody. And see, you think it's all about you. I just take it for granted it's God. You know, not that I'm just perfect all the time, but whether I yield to God knowingly or unknowingly, he's my constant companion. He's yours too. So then there comes this godliness out of us when we least suspect it. I get, there are times where I'll say things and I feel him on my words and I say, oh man, now just, you know what I'm talking about? Just, uh, Holy Ghost, you'd erect it for me. Uh, my poor late husband, he thought he was special because we had Bible study at work. I mean, at home. You know, he, he, he would come to our meetings during conference only because I guess that was, he didn't feel ashamed of what I did for a living when we had a conference. I was being honest with y'all. I mean, people are like that. So, so at home, he felt special because, um, we would have Bible study at home. And I would sit there and I'd say sometimes, I said, God, how does this poor man take this? I mean, the Holy Ghost would slap him upside one upside his head and, and down the other one. And he'd be sitting there blinking at me. Like I just slapped him across his face, which happened. And I said, well, Lord, as long as you want me to do this, I'll do it. But I can tell this, you know. So anyway, we continued to do that until, you know, we just got either too busy or something like that. You know, those seasons passed by. But I felt like God was doing a work with him, you know, where he didn't want to come to the meeting where everybody else was. But God got him anyway. You know, I mean, you can feel special all you want to, but we got to get some first aid for you with all them cuts you got all over you. Huh? 
but it's not up to us to temper the Holy Ghost. You don't want to slow him down. You don't want to touch that. You hear me? Don't you ever dare try and temper him and tone him down. And keep him from getting after people that he wants. You don't want to be guilty of that. Man. You don't want to frustrate the grace of God. You don't want to hinder the Holy Spirit. You don't want to tell him how to talk to your crazy relatives. You know, you'll be praying for God to send somebody to talk to them and it's you. You know, that's kind of popular sometimes. God send laborers. Well, what about you? You've been praying and asking God for open doors. You gonna have to tell the truth to people, folks. I don't know where you live, but where I live, uh, you know, it's truth only. You don't want to frustrate the grace of God. You don't want to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to tone Him down. You want Him to have. We everybody else is begging for more power. That's that's the word. Boldness, more power. You need to have power not to be arrested. <laughs> Amen. That kind of stuff, like the like the early church did. They were always looking for more. Amen. And so, you know, not to be diminished because they knew that when they had a bad experience. Their flesh would want to hide from having boldness and stepping out. And so they had to, to, to pray prayers that kept, kept their flesh under control and cooperating with their not hindering their spirit man. So this is why you ask for more. Whatever it is, the trouble that, that ever, whatever trouble the anointing gets you into, you need more anointing to get you out of it the next time. Because the chances are very good. If you try to stay at the level you're at now, the devil will beat you to a pulp. So you can't afford, huh? You can't afford to do it. You know, people who, who specialize in warfare are always looking for the next weapon or the next, um, you know, the next new thing to help them in their job. They don't, you know, they, they, you know, the military doesn't say, well, we have a new airplane that's equipped with this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff. And they say, nah, I think I'll pass on that. No, they're anxious to get the next new thing. Are you crazy? You specialize in something. You look around and you see situations where you need more of this and more of that. How many of you got sick relatives somewhere and you wish you could just go in and touch them and get them up out of a sick bed or something like that? And so we're looking for more all the time, folks. The way to more is to utilize what you have and not shrink back. If somebody tells you they don't want prayer and they're sick, what's it to you? You don't take that personally. You're not the healer anyway. They just rejected God. They didn't reject you. 
So you keep moving. You go on to the next person. Or just say, well, God, you know, bless them to be able to want to be healed. Amen. They'll call you when they get sick enough. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I hate to say it that way. But pretty soon they will, they'll just remember. Amen. A turn down is like, well, you see these people who sell things for a living. And the top salesman will tell you, oh, no, I never get discouraged when I get a no answer. That just encourages me to get, I try twice as hard the next call that I have. Instead of getting offended, getting your feelings hurt, and go sit in a corner somewhere and say, look how they treated me. And it says here, Jesus rebuked the devil and told him to hold his peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place from the country round about, just from casting out a devil with his word. Now, what do you think devils have done, had done in the past? Yeah, they torment people, but they cut up too. Look at what he was doing, threw him down. So the devil likes to perform. And he probably had done it many times right there in the synagogue. They like to come to church and take over. And so because they were accustomed to tearing the place up and running the place, and they look at Jesus and he tells them, stop it and come out of this person. And this person is devil free. And Jesus never lifted a finger. Well, they're astonished at this. Cause definitely the, the uh, church priests, the priests in the, in the synagogue and the Pharisees and all the leaders there never did anything like this before. This was not commonplace. So Jesus astonished them with his power. Now there are two words that are used here. One is authority and the other one is power. So we really need to know the difference. You got me? Because many times we're looking for power when we need to use our authority. Amen? If if the authority never comes, the power won't show up. Amen? So really, the word, the first word they use when they talked about Jesus has speaking as one with authority. In Luke 4:32 we just went there and they were astonished at his words his doctrine his teaching for his word was with that word is authority it's is properly translated authority the greek word is exousia or exousia e x o u s i a it means authority might and strength as in delegated authority. It is not personal power. So it's not your personal power 
This is an authority that's given you by somebody else who has more power than you. So this is an authority that's given to you to speak for somebody who has power greater than you. That's what you want. You want exousia. So that you can speak the word that is given to you and put on your heart to speak and do it in authority so that there's no wiggle room in anybody's ears about what you meant. Amen. And when that word is heard, heaven and earth under the earth on top of the earth stands up and takes notice. So that's why these people were astonished the way Jesus taught. But as they say, he taught as one having authority. The scribes always read scripture, but there was no anointing or power backing those words up. And so mostly they resorted to to quoting other rabbis. They go on, well, as you know, and the rabbi so-and-so says such-and-such. And And this is what they did in the temple all day long. So nobody even got the benefit of what they were able to afford those people. Amen? Even if they they had a need. They just drifted off in the the traditions of men, washing the pots and washing the cups and do, do this, do this, do that, all that stuff. Kind of like some of the churches we used to go to before you really found God. Some of that stuff you, you grew up listening to, you wouldn't darken that door now for a good reason because God has taught you the word. So now you have a hunger for the word. So you don't want to go back there anymore. Amen. You want to grow. You want to increase. You want to lay your hands on the lame and see him straighten up immediately. Amen? Because that's a picture we get in the Bible. That's not far-fetched. It's just we haven't done it yet, some of us or many of us. Amen? But it's coming. It's coming. It's available. God will do it. Amen? But we got to seek for it. we got to pay the price for it. Amen? Most of us couldn't do it fast-track like Jesus did. He went 40 days without. First thing most people that fast do is get on Facebook and tell everybody. I'm not going to be on here for 40 days. I'm fasting. (laughs) Oh, well, surely you have your reward. I told everybody. Uh Just go and eat something. You know what I'm saying? You ain't getting nothing. Uh, Not with that attitude. You ain't even serious about it. So, so here we have authority. Exousia is authority delegated to one, not your personal power. See, they knew Jesus was under authority because of the way he spoke, how he spoke, and the results. Because they could go up to him when he wasn't under that anointing. And he talked like a regular man. See, he wasn't under the, come on y'all, now seriously. That's why the disciples had a hard time figuring out his identity. 
Amen. When he spoke to the wind and the waves, and they say, what manner of man is this? So many times he was a natural man. When he was in the boat sleeping on the bottom of the boat, natural people do that. If he was supernatural, he probably wouldn't have needed any sleep. You got me? So he wasn't what we call on all the time. There were times when he was a normal, natural person. There were times when he was on assignment and anointed by God to do the things that he gave him to do. And so, and we're that way too. Amen. You're not anointed to do certain things all the time. You know, people think every time God shows you somebody that he wants you to offer to pray for or something like that, you think you want to prophesy to people. You better learn how to get people's needs met. Man. Many times, you know, all they need is somebody to give them a kind word and encourage them. You know, I mean, come on, y'all. Let's, let's be normal here in the normal course of things. <laughs> You know, but you're, you, you are on assignment by God, but you can't make an open door. You know, you, you, that's not for you to do. You just have to let God give you that. And, and you train yourself over a period of time how to hear from God, how to yield to Him, how to know if He's asking you. You know, the many times you walk past somebody and you'll, you'll say, God, should I have stopped to ask them for prayer? See, we have, more doubts sometimes and misses than we do hits. Then there are some times where you know that you know that God is having you talk. The the easiest thing is just to engage a person in a conversation, say hello to them, talk about the weather, or, you know, whatever, and see where it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, don't try to kick the door open. But we need to be praying all the time that it goes somewhere. Because most people do have needs. Or God, weed them out and show me the ones that have the needs and lead me to those people. But but that's that's got to be worked through in your personal relationship with the Lord. So anyway, so Jesus then speaks with authority. That word authority is, it also means the power of choice. Amen? So you choose to yield to the power of God. Amen. It also means rule or government. So here Jesus has the authority to rule for the kingdom of God down here on earth. So he brings the kingdom. He said that many times. He said the kingdom of God has come near you. He said if I with the finger of God cast out a devil, then the kingdom has come near you. And so he had the authority to rule on behalf of the kingdom. Kingdom says demons don't stay in the synagogue. You don't let them have get comfortable tearing up the church. And so when you have authority from God, you have authority to rule in those things. It also means mastery and to be brought under the power of an authority that has power above yours. Amen. You always yield to a, a source that has greater power than what you have. Don't lower yourself and try to yield to something that's beneath where God has you. You yield to a higher authority. 
See? See, when, when in choosing where you worship and where you, you attend church, iron sharpens iron. You, you have to find people that, that have greater ability, greater knowledge, cause you're learning. You're trying to advance. You don't want to know all the pastor's sermons backwards and forwards. You understand what I'm saying? You, you don't want to, you know, when they have that, that, Hush in the worship and the same person prophesies all the time. The same prophecy all the time. I love you. I love you. I love you. Not that that's bad. But you come to hear something that's going to help your life. You know what I'm saying? Something specific that God wants to say to his people to instruct them, to guide them, to help them. And, and so you got to you got to seek more. It's a problem with God's people. Seeking more may take you out of a place where you've grown comfortable and into a place where you just don't know. <laughs> it's called wilderness. Everybody's scared of it. Everybody's scared of it. Don't be scared of that wilderness. <laughs> You'll meet God up there. Amen. You just will. And so, so we have to, to understand what Jesus is doing here. He's releasing a power into the earth that God has longed to give to his people. He's, he's longed to give this power to us. So he's under the command of the Father. He's under the authority of heaven. So that first word power is exousia, we said, which really translated here means authority. Amen? Authority. Now, the other word, are there two power words here? His word was with power. Let me think. Where is the other one? Okay, in verse 36. So it says, and they were amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority, that's the exousia, and power. Ah, that's the other one. And, and we've got to understand how they work. And, and, you know, how they cooperate with each other. So this one is dunamis. It is, it refers to strength, ability, inherent power, miracle, moral power, fervency, and majesty. So Jesus taught with authority, exousia, not like the scribes who did not have the anointing given to him. They were amazed at his manner and his confidence. So there's faith on the exousia. That's what gives the power, the authority, the finality in the word. When you say, I'm healed, that's exousia. See, you're, you're saying, I have authority over sickness, and I am healed. So that's on your word. What you're looking for now After you've spoken the word out of your mouth, you're looking for dunamis. And the dunamis is the fulfillment of the exousia. 
So the fulfillment of your, your authority, the word that you speak with authority, is the power to eradicate illness out of your body. So when the demons came out of that guy, that was the dunamis. They got blown up out of that man. They were expelled. So dunamis is the end result of your authority. And they have to be paired together in your walk with God before you'll see the results. You've got to expect the dunamis to come after the exousia. Jesus fully expected them demons to come out of that man. You can't ever get stuck somewhere wrestling with devils thinking that. You understand what I'm saying? You already going into it with doubt. Shut your mouth. Just don't say nothing to him. Jesus I know. Paul I know. (laughs) But you ain't on the program. Huh? See, demons recognize the authority as coming from heaven that you speak with. Got me? And see, my experience and my understanding is that you can't play around with them. Like you can't think they're, they're fun to be around and <laughs> you start making friends with them. You got one, one direction to work with, with demons and that's making them stop, making them quit, making them shut up. That's taking authority. Amen. The rebuke is all they get. You don't ask them how many they are, what their names are, how long they've been in there. Exousia is not an interview with the devil. Huh? Now people say, well, Jesus asked, asked Legion. No, he asked that man what his name was. And that man's spirit was, was so, well, he was so oppressed that the devil spoke up. He didn't, he, he didn't go up to every devil and ask the person's name. The object is to get them out of people. Not to entertain them, not to be fearful of them. If you scared them, just leave them alone. And being around them is not going to make you less fearful. I'm going to say it again. Being around them is not going to make you less fearful. Just like the snake handlers do. Let's handle some snakes to prove we're not afraid. Psychiatrists give you a pill, you start doing that stuff. See, they just ain't been around the right people yet. Huh? Huh? It's called counterphobia. It's a counterphobic mechanism. Sometimes people are deathly afraid of fire, so they play with matches. They got a pill for that. 
You understand what I'm saying? You need a pill when you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Just, so you don't play with devils and think it's fun to talk to them. They, the disciples got rebuked for doing that. They were excited. They said, ooh, even the, even unclean spirits are subject to us in your name. Jesus said, listen, I saw that devil. He fell like lightning. Don't get excited about that. He rebuked. He said, don't be excited that the devils are subject to you. Stay out the flesh. Cause they'll be in you next. You keep getting excited about being around them. It's nothing but your flesh. Well, that went over big, so that's okay. I don't care, y'all. But this business of entertaining yourself with devils and barfing in bags, and that's ridiculous. You, you don't see a, 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 an example of that anywhere in the ministry of Jesus. So you either want his ministry or you want trouble and fun and entertainment and problems. Brother Hagen tells a testimony about a lady that um, came to him uh, after a service or before service. I forget which one. Uh, she she it was after service, and she came up and asked if they could help her. And he asked her what the problem was, and he said he saw that she had uh, tissue at at her mouth constantly, wiping foam off of her mouth. And, and, uh, she said, um, I went to a deliverance meeting. She said, and they told me I had a devil and they wanted to cast it out of me. She said, and after about a half hour, they said they, they couldn't. And so I've been foaming at the mouth ever since. She'd been like that for over a month. And the, the sad part is she worked, she was a musician with Catherine Kuhlman. She sang in her choir. So she she had, you understand what I'm saying? You can be under sound doctrine, and the devil will give you a crazy idea, and you run off with it. You understand what I'm saying? And so Brother Hagen, you know, in one word, cast that thing out. The foaming stopped. The woman was normal. And he admonished her. He said, you stay away from those meetings. He said, because you'll get more devils than you ever learn to cast out. You understand what I'm saying? It's their, their faith is causing demons to perform because that's what they want them to do. You don't ever use your faith for frivolous things. You got me? Amen? You get what you believe for. I believe for them to come in here and shut up and get cast out if they got to get in here. You understand what I'm saying? I like keeping them away, but you know what I'm saying. That's what the power's for. You know, but definitely you don't let them act up. I mean, come on now. So anyway, so I don't need to see them act up to know they're there. I know they're there by the gift of discerning of spirits or word of knowledge. However, God wants to speak it to me. Or sometimes it's a crazy look on people's face. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Whatever. God will alert you and he'll, he'll give you the words to say and tell you what to do, how to deal with those things. So, so Jesus then, see the dunamis always follows exousia. The, the manifestation is where the dunamis comes in. Dunamis power is what, what causes the manifestation of your, your, um, 
healing because it causes the sickness spirits to leave you and the sickness symptoms to subside. And so, um, dunamis then is, is, um, um, the, the end result of your authority. Your words that you preach express authority. That's where authority is expressed. And then the, the power follows. So even if it's a delay, if it's not immediate, you've got to believe that the dunamis will follow the, the exousia. So when you say it in faith and confidence with power and authority, then God will confirm your word with signs following. That's what we want. Amen. So, but the word has to be preached and spoken first. Amen. Or you have to take authority. You have to do some operation with your words. So, so this is, is, um, uh, the thing that we have to understand about, um, the power of God. Now you'll see examples in the Bible where you think, well, Jesus didn't really preach. He had preached at some time. Some people have faith that was stored up over a period of time and they just met the situation where that dunamis could be released to them as a result of their faith. But the word had gone out with power. See, once that word is released, it's released to, to explode on the target at a certain time. So it's when the anointing for the explosion meets the object that needs to be healed is where it happens. So that exousia was stored up in people's hearts and in their ears until they got to a place. Because when people would run to a Jesus meeting, many times it was because, you know what, Jesus, they heard. Somebody told them or they'd been at a meeting of his before and they heard it in person. And that that exousia, that authority, brought them to the place where the dunamis would be released to them so they can get what we call the manifestation or the final removal of their symptoms. And so when we have that, then we have an understanding of why we preach, why sometimes things are immediate, why sometimes they're delayed, all that kind of stuff. There are times when Jesus would preach and get up and begin to lay hands on people and command symptoms to leave and healing to come into them. But there was always this pairing of the authority and the power showed up as a result of releasing authority. There must be authority over uh, of the, the um, demonic powers, either a sickness, darkness, anything of that nature, before you can expect that the healing would come. Now, sometimes you get one of those wonderful moments where the atmosphere will begin to stir people to release their faith to come up and receive it. But the authority's already been released into the atmosphere to give God um, free ability to come down and do those things. If somebody's either been praying or somebody's been preaching in that atmosphere long enough for it to be a ready-made atmosphere, somebody's expecting it to be an atmosphere where that can be done. Amen? 
And so, and, and we'll have a couple of examples like that where they talked about the power to heal was in the atmosphere. Amen? Was already there. It was there because the authority had proceeded. Why do you think Jesus went away to pray as often as he did? He was preparing, he was praying about his ministry, preparing about the people that would show up, preparing about the atmosphere. All of that was done, and it was done with the exousia or authority of his words. Amen? Always with that. Um, when Jesus would speak, his words would would influence people's hearts. His authority from heaven would influence their hearts. And it would also pierce their consciences so that they would get in a desire to have what he was preaching about. And that was never done before. The scribes didn't do it. Pharisees didn't do it. Sadducees didn't do it. The Essenes didn't do it. None of those religious sects were able to move people to the point of repentance, changing their minds, reaching out for the pure, reaching out for the holy, reaching out for something from God. Their words just never did it. That John the Baptist was able to do it, but he did it in a certain realm. He didn't manifest totally the kingdom. He prepared people for it. So he got people to let go of their worldliness enough to desire what Jesus did. So he prepared the way for the Lord. He was more like what you would call an intercessor is now. Amen. So when we intercede, we prepare the way of the Lord. We prepare, uh, ask God to, to open people's minds up to hearing the word, open their hearts to mix faith with the word. We want people to be receptive to what God has. And, and it takes all of these things to get the, 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 um, uh, kingdom of God to manifest in a great way. Amen. In a great way. So, this power came upon Jesus. We we see some aspects of how it happened. We saw he was 40 days in the wilderness. Now, prior to that, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. The Bible says the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So he received a, a what I would call a witness of the spirit. That's as close as, as I can say, you know, cause when, when, when John protested, he said, he said, you're getting me to baptize you. You should baptize me. Well, water baptism was not Jesus's thing. If you know what I mean, not my thing. Um, he, he had one specific thing to do, baptizing the Holy ghost and fire. That's what he's identified with, not water baptism. Now his disciples baptized people, but he didn't. He was reserved for that special. Why was that? Because he had to go to the cross first before he could release that power to us. Gotcha? Okay, so then it says, um, now many people think he was anointed when he was baptized in water. When is water baptism ever anointed anybody? You got me? 
And so he did it, he said, to fulfill all righteousness because he didn't want it to look like he was breaking rank or being special. Once you come in the form of flesh, you got to do what all flesh does. So he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He didn't go to get nothing. He wasn't going to learn. Are you kidding me? He went because it was expected for him as a Jew to show up there. He turned the place out. Most of the time. He probably sat up there mad a lot of times at what was going on. He said, man, seriously? So he he was being obedient to the Father. And so when the, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on, on a form of a dove, in and the Father spoke from heaven, confirming and witnessing that it was the right thing to do. Why did he have to do that? Because John wasn't sure. You got me? Jesus was the Messiah. And he did it to reassure one person there, and that was John the Baptist. You got me? So that was what that was for. After that, he went on the fast and went into the wilderness. Amen. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to make it through the fasting period and the empowering period. So we get a lot of empowerments of the Holy Ghost. A lot of them. When you're first saved, you get what we call the Bethany experience. You have the ability, your sins are forgiven, and you have the power to, power to forgive sins. That means not only do you have a power to forgive people when they offend you, you have the power to petition God to forgive them so they can get saved too. Baptist people can get you saved on the Bethany experience. Then you come to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Huh? Where you receive the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. With the expansion of fruit, the expansion, you ever notice how you notice more stuff after you pray in tongues than you do before? So there's an empowerment there. It contains many things for us, but one of the things that it does, it gives you the exousia on your words. Much bigger, you got much bigger words praying in tongues than you ever had just being saved. Amen? Now when you're saved, you're sealed. That means the Holy Spirit's in you and he'll help you stay saved. But when Jesus told him, wait till you are endued with power from on high so you can do the mighty works of God so that the dunamis can show up when you say your words, you got to have that too. After you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you go lay hands on somebody and they don't get healed. You real, oh gosh, I got to get something else to go with this. This tongues is okay, but it ain't getting me everything. Well, you got to fill your heart with faith for healing. Study the word. Turn the plate down. Ooh, I got some, ooh, I got some amens on now. I'm scared of y'all. Ooh, my goodness. Huh? Yeah, you stay with that until you get something. I remember petitioning God for increase in anointing. And, and I was running around there just eating bread and drinking water and yada, 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 yada. And, and I remember 
and I was waiting for like, how many days, Lord? When is it going to show up, Lord? I didn't even know what I was looking for. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, and I was measuring some oil in in a a measuring cup. I was pouring it from one to another, and I the oil never stopped pouring. It just continued to pour. And the Lord said, it's here. And I said, huh? This is it? You know, you never know what you're looking for. But it's scriptural. There was a miracle and the oil stayed. Amen? I was kind of, after I started looking for it so I could not have to buy oil no more, it stopped. You know what I'm saying? But I would pour some in a cup and the level in the bottle stayed the same. And i pour some more and the level in the bottle stayed the same. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like, what else you want, Barb? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he does me like that sometimes, but, but you know what I'm saying. So we're going to continue this tomorrow. I, I, we got a little bit deeper or further, um, something. I don't know. It didn't go as fast as I thought it might, but, but why don't we finish up tomorrow? Because we, we, I want you guys to get a, a boost. Okay. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you need a boost in the anointing, authority, and power that you operate in. Amen. So we're going to go for the boost. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for goodness and mercy. And you know what? This is the greatness God wants us to do, to be great in the kingdom. This is what what he means by it. So anybody who's going to be great in the kingdom really needs to be able to be more functional for God more powerful for God, if you will, more compassionate. All of that goes together. So so this is what God's talking about. Amen. So all you queens and kings and, you know, royal people, just hold on. You know, your your greatness is coming. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We love you. We understand how much you love us, how you want us to have all good things. So, Lord, we honor you and we thank you for what you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. All right, we better do our confession. I'm sorry. Well, I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me. And, Father, I thank you that by your stripes... I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God.